クライミングインサイドザマシン Back in the headphones. Feels good. Feels good to be wearing headphones again. So, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about in this episode was my experience of identifying the topic of this podcast. I just kind of thought through what, what, is, what is it? What is the bit that I'm really interested in? And now I'm at episode three, I finally realized. The heart, the heart of it for me is about people and people who have found a way to do interesting things on the internet that involve other people. So, the creation of online communities, or like in my last episode with Kirby Ferguson, he's not only done that, but he's actually found a way to leverage、um, other producers that. Like his work online and let them help him make make his ongoing series of amazing movies that you should you should check out if you're not familiar with his work already. So that brings me to the topic of this week's podcast, which is an amazing person who does amazing things online with communities of people. Anna Dower. Is someone I've known for a little while. And the thing which I, I really like about Anna is that she is an absolute font of practical, actionable information. And her focus is enabling other people in the design world, in her case, to do what it is that they want to do. So she's turned her own expertise into. Insights into a particular group of people that she wants to sell her services to. So she supports online communities, she produces a podcast, she produces an online summit event, she's a mentor,、um, and you know, works in that kind of area, basically dispensing information and advice that she's gathered throughout her career in the design world to enable other people to take a step up. So It's a really altruistic approach to, to take、um, when constructing your business. So, in this conversation, she talks about what she does, how she does it, how long it's taken her to do it.、Um, and in the process, kind of gives me a few little, little insights and takeaways for, for my own work as well. So, let's jump into this chat with Anna Dower, designer boss, uncool designer, and all round amazing person. What I wanted to talk to you about was sort of two strands, really. The first one was an interest in online businesses and the development of digital communities around that. And then the second sort of strand of questions was particularly about podcasting and the, the space that occupies in your business. Okay. From what I know, you're, you're much loved as a, as a mentor and community, community leader, indeed.、Um, a, a goddess among designers is, is, what, <laughs> is what I've heard. I'll take that title. <laughs> <laughs> as well as producing your, your own content and、um, you know, mentoring other, other designers, you know, you've got this whole business、um, in that field. And I was curious about how did that develop? What were your first. Kind of building blocks of, of that as a business? 
Well, when I started out, I basically just had a design business where I was doing client work, designing, uh, branding, logos, websites, all that sort of stuff. When I had that design business, I created kind of a sales funnel. Um, it sounds like a sleazy word, but it was basically a freebie for my ideal client. And that freebie was a digital magazine for female entrepreneurs. And in that magazine, it had articles that um, basically solved problems for my ideal client. Now, this digital magazine was a freebie. And like I said, a sales funnel, the whole point of it was to attract my ideal client and it did it almost too well um, because it became a business in its own right um, I ended up doing a podcast for that digital magazine it ended up being on all of the Virgin Australia planes on the um, in-flight amazing entertainment um, we ended up doing retreats and dinners and lunches and all that sort of stuff and with that exposure from that magazine people started asking me will you mentor me um, like teach me your ways I want to do the same thing in my own business basically um, and at that point, they weren't necessarily designers. They were just women in business. Um, and I said, yes. So fairly kind of early on in your actually in your career in the design strand, you had this concept that, uh, you know, I've heard you talk about of of the niche and and focus, which is a super interesting idea. So knowing the freelance life myself, I think arriving at that focus is actually very hard because you're so busy is. trying to keep swimming and keep all the projects going, you, you know, you, grabbing that moment of time to say, let me just step back and think, what do I want to do rather than what do I have to do? How did that come about, that actual sort of moment of focus? The moment? The moment, um, yeah. Well, when I started working with those women, um, coaching them because they asked me, I kind of realised I'm pretty good at this um, and felt like... I was really invested in them and I wanted them to succeed. And it felt really, really good. It felt way better than just designing for clients and doing revisions and, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of decided that I wanted to continue doing that, but hone in on my actual zone of genius, which is running a graphic design business. And that's why I decided to become a mentor just for designers. And like you said, it is really hard to figure out your niche, but I think you need to have awareness of the stuff that you love doing and the stuff that you hate doing. And all a niche is, is ditching all the stuff you hate doing, basically. Okay. I've managed to get a sort of like a anti-niche where I know the sort of things that I definitely don't like to do. Yeah. Uh, as as I, I'm recording it, so I'm slightly hesitant, but I'm going to edit it as well. So I feel <laughs> free to edit my own <laughs> sort of indiscretions to you. I, yeah. I basically have um, an aversion to real estate agents. Ah, oh, me too. I, I've, been, I've been approached <laughs> by a few, you know, who want to do Agents Unleashed, the podcast that really talks. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, mm, bit busy at the moment. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I spent the first 10 years of my career designing real estate ads and they were absolutely the worst people to work for ever. I, th I, I find it's, <laughs> it's this sort of quality where um, because they're so sales driven, you know, they mm. identify you as basically 
just walking money rather than a human being yeah. who has needs which yeah. need to be met. <laughs> yeah, you're just a tool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So you grew from being a you know being a designer and a producer to then diving straight into mentoring. Did, did you have any any sort of previous experience in that mentoring field or how did that come about? Um, not really. I guess that's why I call myself a mentor instead of like a business coach because it kind of felt a bit safer. And I explain that to my clients that I'm only talking, guiding you from my own personal experience. And once I started mentoring designers and had their kind of feedback that what I was telling them and what I was giving them was really helping them. It kind of gave me the confidence to keep going and doing it. So that sort of passion for connecting with individuals and helping them do what they want to do is obviously sort of carried through and, and you amplified that in your current business. Yeah. And then from there, I kind of just built it out. Then I created an e-course. Um, I've got a couple of Facebook communities. I've got a paid membership. I've got a podcast. Um, and then, yeah, I just built it out around supporting other designers and helping them succeed in their businesses. What sort of time period are we looking at to evolve that kind of breadth of engagement um probably three to four years yeah i would say in terms of the the maintenance of that now how much time do you have to spend to keep the communities ticking over and stuff um i've pretty much got it down pat now i could probably just work 15 hours a week and i'd get it done and that's what I wanted. Like everyone who starts their own business says they, they're doing it for freedom and flexibility. Um, and that's exactly where I've ended up now. And it's been intentional that way. Um, I, I used to do one-on-one -on -one mentoring, but I just didn't want to spend that much time working anymore, which sounds bad. Um, I just feel like I can help more people with e-courses in one hit than actually working with people one-on-one -on -one now. Do you have a thought about how you construct all of those different opportunities for people? So do you have a kind of idea of like an entry level and then the sort of higher tiers? Yes, definitely. Um, I think it's important to like sit down and try to map out the steps of how someone's going to work with you. Like the starting point for everything is free resources, basically. And all the stuff that I do for free to support graphic designers, like my podcast, like things they can download from my website, my free Facebook group. And then it goes into like a low paid offer, which is under $50. And then it goes from there. It kind of builds on from there. Mm. It is important to have it so that you're warming up your leads rather than just jumping on them cold and saying, buy from me, I'm the best, because that will not work. Yeah. What, what would you say is like the, um, the essential s step, you know, in, in that, whole, uh, that whole system? What's the, like, the, mu the must-have bit that people need to set up? The free resources. It's really, really important to provide a solution to a problem your ideal client has for free. 
and I'm not talking like giving them a solution like a 30 page ebook because no one's going to sit down and read that. I'm talking about like an instant gratification solution as in, um, you know, a checklist or something that's going to give them an answer to a problem they have straight away. Right. That's a really interesting point you made there that the sort of volume of the free content, you know, it can be a negative thing that if you give like a too comprehensive uh, resource, people would just go, no, I haven't got time. No. And I think ebooks are done. Like these days, people don't hand over their email address just for anything. It has to be really valuable to them. So the more specific it is, the better. And if it's instant gratification, it'll be a winner. Just um, for example, I'm just trying to think of one. Ah, yes, I've got one. So a lot of designers ask me, what questions do you put on your brief? What questions do I ask my client when we're starting a process? And I just created a freebie, which was a brief cheat sheet. And it had every question on it that I asked in my own design brief and they loved it it was like i can just copy that and paste it and use it in my own business and it solves the problem straight away and i'm allowed to do it as well (laughs) yes that's right i'm giving you permission and that's essential all of this information that that you're you're sharing this is really like hard-earned you know intelligence really yep It's like 10 years worth of mistakes, Um, 10 years of, you know, getting sidetracked. And yeah, it took a lot of refining, but you, my end goal is for them to succeed. So I'm happy to be generous to ensure that happens. Do you have any strategies in place that help you manage your time and how much time you give to different projects? Um, Yes. I, like, for example, um, perhaps, you know, if we rewound the clock five years, I would have done a lot more talking for free. I probably would have done a lot more one-on-one client stuff for not much money. But these days, I really value my time. And basically, what I try to give my best stuff to the people that are paying me. Mm. But that being said, I do give a lot of free stuff, but it's kind of stuff where I'm just touching on the tip of the iceberg. Like you could maybe try to figure it out yourself, but I save the best stuff for the people who are paying me. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that you can go deeper and more, more specific with people who you have more time with. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, um, certainly in terms of, uh, you know, what I know of you from your podcast, the thing which distinguishes that is just that amazing um, generosity of giving giving advice and the, you know, the, yeah, the hard-earned <laughs> nature of that advice too. So that in itself, yeah. I think, is valuable. Yeah, and it kind of um, people who pay for you are the ones that are truly committed as well. Like I could spend a lot of time and effort trying to help people in my free community, but they're not necessarily going to be as committed as someone who pays me to help them. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's a mutual deal kind of thing. Yeah. And I think from my experience, even on a, 
on a personal level, that journey that you're talking about of attributing your your own value is very difficult for some people to kind of realise that they are the premium product and should yes. should be charging accordingly. Definitely. Well, I tell my designers, the only thing that you should be giving away before someone locks you in for a project is a 15-minute phone call. That is it. Um, anything above that you need to charge for it that's sorry you've just you've just hit hit a a, a nerve for for me (laughs) i find there's so many things that you say i'm like yeah yeah and you know interestingly it's it's almost like you know hearing somebody else say something that you kind of know is right Mm -hmm. gives you that extra impetus to go yeah i've got this client who you know who just keeps asking for conference calls with me and his staff all the time this is getting a little bit out of hand, but he still hasn't paid the final, you know, the oh, final fee. okay. You just need to make it clear from the outset. Like I tell designers, in your packages, say that there's a 30-minute call included, but anything above that is going to be invoiced. Yeah, because you've got you to earn the money, you know. Yeah, and if you don't even want to talk on the phone, don't. Make it clear at the beginning that you are an online business, that your primary way of communication is via email. And, like, be upfront about it, and then it's basically take it or leave it. I love that. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a mini mentoring session yeah. myself here. <laughs> so your, um, your latest kind of evolution of the online community for designers is the digital summit, which you held a couple of months ago. Yes. And that seems like a really bold undertaking to, you know, to, to put on. Do you want to just talk a little bit more about the the origin story of the Digital Summit? The Digital Summit, okay. Well, actually at the beginning of 2020, which feels like forever ago, I was actually asked to speak at a Digital Summit. Um, And that was the first time I had really experienced it, like a Digital Summit format. Um, And the woman who was hosting it was super organised. She was like the queen of the summits. Um... And I did my presentation, did all that stuff. I made a bunch of affiliate money without even really trying. And I gained a bunch of followers. Um, So then I kind of said to Emma, who is someone that I work with um, in my business, I said, we should do one of these. Because when you're selling anything really, when you're selling services, products, um, e-courses, the most important thing is list building. So basically having the opportunity to warm up potential clients. And the idea for a digital summit came from there, basically just to list build um, so that we could hopefully bump up our email lists, maybe by a couple of hundred. And um yeah, get more awareness, marketing, all that sort of stuff. Before you kind of embarked on the, you know, devising the program and what what themes and topics you you already had the the goal in mind of this is this is why we're doing this. Mhm. And that was our only goal really. So we started we started asking speakers, people were really excited. Yeah, and then we did it. It was way more successful than both of us could have imagined. We ended up gaining 
2,000 subscribers each, which is massive. Like, if you were going to list build, you know, with an ebook, it would take you years to get 2,000 people to um, sure. subscribe. So we did that in one hit. We made a bunch of money. I think we made $25,000. Um, our speakers earned money as well. And it just turned out to be really successful. Do, do you think that sort of volume of growth, is that connected at all to the time-based nature of the event? Like, you know, it's happening at this time, not whenever you like, you know, it's people have to be responsive to get in on it. Yes, definitely. And it was all a lot about the urgency Um like the way we made money was basically the ticket was free to attend, but if you wanted to have the recordings available for a year and you wanted a bundle of resources from the speakers, you had to pay X amount of dollars. And even when we offered up that bundle, it had a time deadline on it. So for the first 20 minutes of the bundle, you could get it for under $100. But then after that, you had three days to purchase it for, mm. you know, $150. Mm. So that sense of urgency definitely had a big part in it. All right. So, so what, um, what, what can you see as the next sort of step in your, in your online empire? Um, well, we're actually going to be doing a summit podcast, um, which we will need your help with. Um, and we'll be working on the next... Uh, designer boss digital summit for February 2021 so that's what we're working on now that's all I really have planned for the future um, I feel like my plate is pretty full right now I, I, can, I can imagine I mean I know from from my own experience that organizing events and you know the overhead of dealing with lots of people is is massive so even to do that and keep your existing business running is uh, pretty good going. Yeah, it's pretty full on. But Emma and I make a really good team and we kind of just share the load, which is really good. In the past, I had a habit of just continuing to load up my plate with ideas and things that I wanted to do. But I've tried really hard over the years to kind of get out of that habit because it's super distracting and you lose focus on what the end goal is, basically. So I, I do my mm. best to keep it fairly simple. Could we just m sort of move uh, focus a little bit and talk about your podcast, the Uncle Designer podcast, and how that fits into, you know, in, into your portfolio of, of activities. So let me ask you to just to talk about when did you start that and what was the kind of initial impetus? Okay, I probably started it over a year ago. Um, I called it the uncool designer because it, when you talk to designers, so many of them feel uncool but have never said it out loud <laughs> um, <laughs> because designers and creatives have kind of like this cool club where the ones that follow trends and have fancy haircuts and I never felt like that I felt like the daggy uncool designer and then I thought I'm just gonna say it out loud <laughs> and then I did and 
I found my people. Um, they yeah, all you found your tribe of yeah. uncool people. <laughs> yeah, they all kind of came out and said, "Hey, I feel like an uncool designer too." Um, and it was really just an opportunity to market myself again, um, to make myself accessible to people without them having to pay, um, a way for them to actually get to know me, my personality, put myself out there, let them connect with me and. If they liked me, hopefully they would hang around, join one of my Facebook groups and then eventually buy an e-course. But yeah, it was definitely a marketing tool and a way to actually find my people. Like when mm. you just put it out there who you really are authentically, you will piss some people off. Some people will be like, oh, I'm not into it. But other people will be like, oh, my God, she's been what I've been looking for. And they're the people yeah, that yeah. you want to hang around. Definitely. I, I think, you know, you you just use that word authenticity, which I feel personally is a, it's a massive thing in any of these digital strands where you're visible or audible because people can tell if there's an agenda behind it, but that sort of authenticity, that's the kind of thing that makes people stick around. I think that they feel it's, it's real. It's not a, it's not an act that, that you're putting on. So can we just like cycle back to that idea yeah. that you talked about early on of the, um, the, the niche and kind of target person. So y you, had you already established mm -hmm. that kind of thinking when, when you produced the podcast? Yes, definitely. I had already had e-courses basically that I was selling to designers. And yeah, I just, I had had a podcast in the past and it's kind of just a new way to reach people. It still blows my mind when people are like, I found you through your podcast. I love it. I've listened to every episode. Um, and I hear that all the time and it's crazy. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I've got, um, I'm currently doing my e-course round and I've got clients from all around the world. And those people are usually found me via my podcast. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing success story of, you know, this is what everybody wants really to, mm. be able to you know, pull that audience closer and, you know, engage them in your kind of more business oriented products. So do you do any promotion for the podcast as, as itself? Honestly, I don't. I feel like I could do more. I, I don't. I kind of just do it and put it out there and hope and pray that people listen to it. Um, I do talk about it in my Facebook groups and to my email list, but I don't necessarily market it to um, cold audiences. The, the um, audiences that you're reaching th through it, they're purely sort of organic, yeah. you know, people who've just thought, oh, that's a good title. Let me give it a listen and found this amazing font of wisdom that, that, that you are on the podcast, really. Yeah. And honestly, I could probably like do it more consistently and market it oh. more. Um, but it's just, it kind of just slots in for when I can do it, you know, yeah. at this point. And I think that's, you know, you have a roughly fortnightly schedule episodes, yeah. which I think is good. I, I get fairly regularly people sort of asking me about whether they should ramp up the production to as much as every day. And I, I wow. yeah, I really strongly try to put people off because I just think 
you know, if you if you relate it to yourself, it's like, how much time do you think people are going to give just to you? Like they're going to devote half an hour of their life to you every day without any formal kind of relationship um, yeah. uh, happening. It's, uh, it's very ambitious. I think that fortnightly is, that seems a good balance to me. Yeah, I think so. I couldn't do more than that. Definitely not. <laughs> how do you source your your topics on on the show well the thing is i have this um free facebook community with nearly four thousand designers in it and i basically just stalk them and see what they're talking about Mm -hmm. um because they're in there asking questions of each other supporting each other complaining about crappy clients um all those things and i just basically watch them (laughs) you just harvest those questions i know (laughs) listen to me yes Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, And then I just give them the solution in the form of a podcast, basically. Um, All right, Anna, well, well, thank you so much for uh, making the time to to talk to me and share all your insights there. It's been really, really good. My pleasure. Thank you, Martin. Matter Pod.